Kenny P's podcast, Pilot Project. Hey dear listener, for this pilot I thought I'd do a Canadian political show. I've tended to listen to a lot of American political shows lately, and I like the ones that show, you know, a balanced perspective, kind of at least attempts to explain both sides of an issue. And I hadn't found a lot of Canadian political podcasts, dear listener, and I wondered, was it just because Canadian politics is is not as exciting as our neighbors to the south? Is it possible to make a fair and balanced Canadian political podcast? Well, why don't you listen and be the judge? And afterwards, you can go to pelican.com, P-E-L-E-K-E-N.com, forward slash K-P-P-P-P for Kenny P's podcast pilot project. And you can let me know what you think. Okay, enjoy the listen. Thanks. Well, the Queen Mom, in all her benevolence, has allowed us to choose a new leader for ourselves. Of course, her Governor General maintains veto power to protect us from ourselves. Hopefully, we'll take our responsibility seriously, and she won't have to step in like that time back in 75, when the Governor General had to offer our Australian cousin's PM an involuntary title change to, well, uh, a former PM. Democracy is a privilege, not a right, Australia! And in contrast to our rebellious brothers down south in the United States, who have found a way to embroil themselves in a never-ending cycle of perpetual election campaigns. Our election is a limited time only. Like a steaming hot cup of cinnamon pumpkin foam, it'll be all over at the end of this, the spookiest of months. And we'll have a new PM. Or, you know, the, the, the same guy. So, dear, responsible, informed citizen, let's look at our choices, shall we? First, we've got that aforementioned same guy, Justin Trudeau, and his liberals. Like any good liberal, he's currently embroiled in scandal. Now, I don't really want to get into the whole shoe-polished-faced elephant in the room. A white guy explaining the finer points of blackface, I'm just bound to wander down some problematic analogy rabbit hole. But here's what I know. Hey, um, white people? Uh, just stay away from... Any black or brown makeup. But I'm part of a couple's costume, and she's Beyonce, and I'm supposed to be Trey. Hey, stop. But I'm a a really big fan, and I just want to honor Miles Davis with a tasteful... Just, just no. Okay, okay, finally, I get it. Your podcast talks some sense into me, and I'm going to reconsider that Halloween costume. Only... I mean, if your your podcast had been around back in 95, I mean, hindsight's great and all. But what if you're like old Marty Lancaster, the Green Party candidate from Barrie, Ontario, and you see Trudeau's scandalous blackface photo in your old news feed, and it triggers a memory? This photo reminds me of the time. Well, you see, the guys and I were going as the A-team, and I... Oh... I went as a pigmentally accurate Mr. T. Listen, I get it. Everyone wants to be Mr. T. You've got the the face man, madman Murdoch, Hannibal. But none of them had their own breakfast cereal, did they? Marty was was probably like me. He had the the Mr. T action figure that 
that came in the whole action pack, and then a second Mr. T that came with the A-Team van sold separately. Anyway, what's poor Marty to do but come clean on Facebook? Either that or keep quiet and hope for the best. No, better to be honest and apologetic to a fault. That's the Canadian way, after all. But enough about Marty from Barry. We're talking about the big boys here. Let's get back to Trudeau. So, yada yada blackface, now still an important issue. But I want to talk about something that came out from his apology. The, the first apology, I mean. Not the one that he did the next day when more photos came out. I think, uh, I think it, it's, it's been plenty. Uh, the fact of the matter is that I've, I've always, uh, and you'll know this, been uh, more enthusiastic uh, about costumes uh, than uh, is somehow uh, is sometimes appropriate. Uh, but uh, uh, these are the situations that, uh, that uh, I regret deeply. Is it the only two or are there more? These are the situations I regret deeply. He's more enthusiastic about costumes than is sometimes appropriate. Dear listener, this is not this man's first costume-related problem. Whether he's going to India dressed as the Maharashi or visiting our First Nation friends in a sacred headdress, this man has a lifelong problem with costume over-enthusiasm. That yearbook photo, the one where he's dressed as a jet-black Aladdin, first of all, he's the teacher at the school, and he's in that yearbook a dozen times, more than any other student which is strange in itself, but stranger still. In every single photo, this man is wearing a costume. There's one where he's teaching in a Seinfeld-style puffy pirate shirt, for some reason. Not since Miss Frizzle has there been a teacher. More enthusiastic about costumes, dear listener. Clearly, this man is an addict. I mean, politicians wear boring, regular old suits for a reason. They make you look like a politician. You look professional competent. And more importantly, you don't get into trouble. Listen, I get it. I mean, suits are boring. And I I grew up on Mr. Dress-Up too. But somewhere around junior high, I learned, boy, I better quickly learn to leave the tickle trunk in the past if I'm going to survive this cruel world. And so I said goodbye to Casey and Finnegan. And I only revisit that old tickle trunk at a time when it's socially acceptable. Like Halloween, or in the privacy of your own bedroom, where any costume-related activity, dear listener, is, is your own business. And so, Trudeau, I mean, usually he's behaving. I mean, let's be honest, usually he's behaving. I mean, no one gives him credit for all the photos we have of him not wearing a big velour hat or whatever. But he's he's still got that itch. And so he thinks he can just get by and... Wearing wacky socks. And so you see all these photos where he's wearing the wacky socks. Lord only knows what other coping mechanisms he's got implemented behind that boring, sensible politician suit. But we're talking about a man with with severe costume enthusiasm, dear listener. And it's just not going to be enough, now is it? Sooner or later, those costume underoos is going to want to spring out and be free. Now, I I don't know too much about treating such a sickness, dear listener. But like any 12-step process, imagine the first step is admission. And there, Mr. Trudeau, you're off to a good start. You've admitted to the world that you're a costume enthusiast, and so good on you. And if you're re-elected, well, well, we'll get through this together, won't we? In the meantime, just, just please just stay away from any 
costume or Halloween stores? Now, I'm going to pitch a campaign slogan. Justin Trudeau. From now on, he'll just stick to those wacky socks. Up next, we have the leader of the opposition, Mr. Andrew Scheer. What can be said about Andrew Scheer? His French, ne pas bon. His turnoffs include the carbon tax and supervised injection sites. But when it comes to restoring affordability among the middle and lower classes, well, you can count him in. In short, he's just like Stephen Harper. It would seem that when Harper resigned, they, the powers that be, they went to HarperCon 2017 and, and offered the conservative leadership to the winner of the most Harper-like pageant. Trudeau was constantly pointing out that Andrew Sear is just like Harper, with, except with a little just-for-men rubbed into his Floby-styled hair, which is a bit of a double-edged sword, because there are Canadians who are actually nostalgic for the days when Canada had a boring PM, whose hobbies included watching videos. Something you might not know about me is that I love movies and TV shows. And yes, Andrew Shear is boring. But for a while there, it looked as though the Conservatives were looking for a little northern Donald Trump to call their own. Back when Harper gave up the leadership seat, names like Ford and O'Leary were bandied about. Now I've come to understand that Donald Trump's a bit of a divisive character. Perhaps even more controversial than synthetic melanin. And I mean, far be it from me to speak ill of a democratically elected leader from another sovereign nation with their own concerns and problems. Let me tell you why I don't think some sort of toque-wearing Trumpian homunculi would be a good fit for the Great White North. Okay, hear me out here. I'm guessing one thing we could probably agree on when it comes to Donald Trump He's a man that's difficult to ignore. Yeah? Actually, I think we could probably unite the world on that fact. Okay, so there's this old board game called Risk. It's basically a large map where these little plastic men have dice battles. I know, I know, it's nerdy stuff. But stay with me here. By just rolling dice and ignoring any, any sort of diplomacy or negotiation and just relying on luck... At which point you're, you're just playing a more convoluted version of paper, rock, scissors. Or just flipping a coin. But the game can be relationship-endingly intense. When you make deals, alliances, treaties, and the like. So if Canada were in a game of risk, historically we'd have gotten by on our alliances. First to the mighty British Empire, at the height of its power. And then to the United States, at the height of its power, or maybe not if Trump's space force becomes a sort of galactic empire, uh, who knows? Anyway, in this turn, Canada's in a precarious position. We're sitting on a vast quantity of untapped resources. We're, I mean, we're the second largest country, and the largest is, is crazy and has a huge stockpile of world-ending weapons. I mean, just our maple syrup supply alone is enough to give Lechtenstein thoughts of invasion. And we don't have nearly enough little plastic men on the table to defend our syrup supply should we need to. In Risk, you get these cards, and their values accumulate over the game. But you have to have the right combination in your set to cash them in. Canada has a lot of cards. Most of the world's fresh water, lumber. We've got oil, for Pete's sake. 
and who knows what untapped resources are up, up in the frigid north where the snowplow stops. But we can't cash in our carts. So what's Canada to do? Well, traditionally, we'd make powerful friends and hope we can trust them and then hope for the best. Or we can stay quiet. We can hide our cards under the table and pretend we're invisible. Or better yet, we can get up and replenish the Dorito supply. Refill everyone's Cokes. And don't forget Paraguay prefers Dr. Pepper. I'd argue that a mini-Canadian Trump would be better when you've got a little negotiating leverage. Under Stephen Harper and his epic boringness, we were protected by a cloak of invisibility, like a big chilly Wakanda. The rest of the world darn near forgot we existed. Since Stephen Harper, we've had international squabbles with India, China, our big buddy, the United States. Dear listener, I, I kid you not, the president of Philippines threatened war with us. All because we sent them some spoiled diapers and told them they were plastic water bottles. You know who's too boring to pull off an international ding-dong-ditch-style prank like that? Stephen Harper. Who's boring enough to wear sensible suits and try not to pigmentally augment their oh-so-pasty-white skin? Andrew Shear. So if you ask me, Andrew Shear should campaign on the fact that he's easily scientifically the most boring candidate we could hope for, slogan pitch. Andrew Scheer. More boring than a PBS documentary on buttons that's interrupted by a donation drive. Now, on to Jugmeat. Oh, wait. What's that sound? Is that a whistling and a strolling music I hear? Well, that must mean it's time for Kenny P's patented lunch stroll poll. Yes, dear listener, it's time to count how many lawn signs I can see on my walk between my office and the pizza shop two blocks away. If my wife is listening, I only eat salad for lunch, and the only reason I walk to the pizza shop is to collect election data and possibly get a Pokemon card from the machine. Of course, this is a completely scientific poll, from a small selection of signs within the Federal District of Kitchener Center. What's that ahead, dear listener? A red sign? Yes, we've got one. Count them one signs for the Liberals. Okay, now we're coming up to a patch of blue signs, dear listener. Eight signs. Yes, that's right, eight signs for the Conservatives. I should point out that the Conservative Campaign Office is actually on this route. No doubt to achieve maximum effectiveness of my patented Kenny P's lunch stroll poll. However, I'm sorry to say, Conservatives, it's not enough. Because the Green Party has a whopping nine bright green signs. No orange crush on this walk, folks. No purple people party signs. No block. No Marxist Leninists. Wait. Something black with a, a skeleton? The pirate party? Nope, that's either a novelty festive Halloween grave marker, a rare sign of support for the Dead Are People 2 party, or a scathing commentary on the current state of Canada's democro monarchy. Also, there's two of those little free little library things set up, which I think is quaint. The plaque says littlefreelibrary.org. 
Where were we? Back to Jugmeet Singh. Like Trudeau, he has an outfit problem, and quite possibly, as sad as it is to hear, he may have a melanin problem when it comes to certain Canadian voters. Unlike Trudeau, he can't simply wipe away deep-seated racial bigotry. Jugmeet Singh is brown skin, and he happens to wear a turban, which to some Canadians means he wants to institute Sharia law. Which is strange, because I, I don't think you typically see Muslims wearing turbans. I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. Jugmeet is Sikh, which means, hopefully I get this right, He, it's like Hinduism with reincarnation and karma, but specifically one single god that everything is part of and seeks to become with. I don't know, dear listener. The point is, it's about as different from Islam as religion gets. And there are many types of brown-skinned people, including Muslims, who don't want to institute Sharia law. But that doesn't stop certain uninformed individuals from harassing him on the campaign trail. It's... So... <laughs> That's it. It's okay. So, what what this is, what this is, we don't want to be intimidated by hate. We don't want hatred to ruin a positive event, right? We don't want hatred to ruin a positive event. So, let's show people how we would treat someone with love. What about Sharia? I will be Sharia. Sharia. Come on, speak the truth. Why are you hiding? I'm not hiding. You're politically correct, man. What about Sharia? Political Islam. Now, you'd think Jugmeet would point out what I just did. That these ignoramuses are thinking of Muslims. And even them as only a specific subset of Muslims. But he never says that. He probably figures that would be the easy way out. Also, it might imply that it'd be fine to yell out uninformed opinions if only they targeted the right religion. And on top of all this, Quebec has a controversial Bill 22, which prohibits wearing any religious symbols, including a turban, while doing any public job. That would mean Jugmeet couldn't teach school or he couldn't work as a bank registrar while wearing his turban. And this law is pretty popular in Quebec who've long been concerned about the erosion of their culture, and to them, supporters of this bill would argue it's sort of a cultural seawall, if you will. And folks critical of this bill would call it xenophobic, Islamophobic, all the bad phobics. Now, I'm not going to dive deep into this whole issue today, dear listener. I just want to point out that it's messy and complicated. Now, from what I hear, for an Anglophone, Jug meets French as très bon. Now, despite my current, now despite my current 63-day Duolingo streak, I'm just gonna have to take their word on that one. Meanwhile, here's Jug Meet in Montreal. I should point out he's speaking to an English guy here because Jug Meet starts him off with a bonjour, and the guy responds with a hello. Bonjour, monsieur. Hello, hello. How are you? Good to see you, sir. You okay? Yeah, it's good. Pleasure to meet you. You know what? Thank you. I think Canadians look like all sorts of people. That's the beauty of Canada. That's okay. I don't agree, sir. In Rome, you do also Rome. Hey, but this is Canada. You can do like whatever you like. All right. Take care. Thanks. 
All this to say that Jugmeat has a history of meeting loud, obnoxious people in a friendly, smiling manner. What's more Canadian than that? This reminds me of a Canadian legend of old. Now, I'm going to assume that since you're listening to this, you're probably Canadian yourself. And therefore, you know the legend well. You probably remember your old Canadian grandmother telling you about the tales of the old Canadian Goose Treaty. You see, Canada once had a species of friendly, timid geese that were remarkable animals. Yet they were easy prey for predatory beasts like mountain lions, wolves, and grizzly bears. And the Canadians at the time were real hotheads, picking fights with Americans, the French, and the rival hockey team from the next town over. Eventually, the Canadians learned that their hot tempers only ever led to trouble. And the geese realized that their friendly, apologetic timidness only ever annoyed the predators, which led to their destruction. And so a powerful bond was formed between Canadian and Canada goose, where all the Canadians' anger, frustration, and obnoxiousness was transferred into the geese, transforming them into venomous, golf course-ruining poop machines. And Canadians became polite, patient, friendly, helpful folk. And the bond was so strong that if a Canadian ever lost his or her cool, a goose would just spontaneously explode. You know how every once in a while you'll see geese flying in their traditional V formation, and one will just randomly explode, seemingly for no reason? That's probably because there's a Canadian on the 401 somewhere, whose GPS just told them there was another accident up ahead, so there'd be more delays. Also, there's somehow the magic of a penalty box has the power to temporarily lift the bond to allow Canadians to play hockey without unnecessary goose carnage. Yada, yada, yada. You know the legend. And anyway, of course, you know, that's where we get the Canadian phrase, the goose is strong with this one. Or as my friends in Quebec would say, il n'a pas perdu son oeil. Loosely translated, that means he has yet to lose his goose. And that's my slogan pitch for Jugmeet Singh. The goose is strong with him. Also, apparently Rihanna follows him on Instagram, so there's that too, I guess. Now, on to Elizabeth May and her Green Party. They want to make Canada carbon neutral by 2030. All the typical Green Party stuff you'd expect windmills, tidal power, solar, carbon tax. But also they want to eliminate tuition, which is fun. Probably her biggest scandal to date is the infamous disposable cup photoshop, or the bogative disposy cupgate scandal, as it's referred to in the media, which of course is named after the bogative disposy cupgate motel in Wawa, Ontario. Anyway, the scandal is she was photographed holding a single-use disposable cup, and I think one of her interns crudely photoshopped a a Green Party-branded reusable cup into her hands. The logo was facing the camera head-on, and the cup was overlit, the shadows were all off, it was a mess. And fortunately, I know just how to fix this. Now what you're going to want to do is mask out the cup. Listen to me, don't don't use quick select. You'll end up spending longer finessing it in the long run. Okay, now that you've got it all masked out, paste it into the photo as a smart layer. I do 
I do a quick adjustment layer here just to get the brightness and colors to match up. Okay, so now you transform the cup so that it matches the size and position of the old one. Now this part is a little controversial, but I'd copy Liz's hands along with the old cup into a new layer on top of the new cup. And then just use the eraser tool with a hard-edged larger brush and work your way down using smaller feathered brushes as you go. You might need to add in some shadowing from Liz's hand onto the cup. You could use either the burn tool or a multiply layer. As long as it matches the shadowing of the previous cup, you should be fine. Okay. Now just have your interns listen to that, Liz, next time you need to hide your disposable transgressions. And that should be fine. I mean, that's the easy way out. Or you could show them just how hardcore you are about this whole environmental thing. And take that disposable cup with you wherever you go. Write your name on it with a sharpie. Make extensive repairs whenever necessary with duct tape, bathroom caulk, plumber's grade epoxy sealant. Within two or three drinks, that cup is going to get nasty. And just, you know, make a big show out of drinking with that same moldy old paper cup for as long as it'll hold fluid. And then even longer. And I'd still Photoshop it out of the photos. I'd just do it even more crudely. Maybe do it with MS Paint. Make it look like you're trying to cover up the embarrassing truth. That you've been reusing a vintage brown and yellow Tim Hortons paper cup since the late 80s. And you wish you could be like one of those cool hipsters with their quote, reusable, unquote, travel cups. But you've got this perfectly good cup that trees were sacrificed for. And your convictions are are too strong to simply throw it in a landfill. Elizabeth May. She's committed enough to reuse this cup. Well, dear listener, that's the big four anyway. You'll probably find fun other little parties on your ballot, depending on your riding. I wish I could get to them all, but hopefully you've gotten enough to make a well-informed decision come October 19th. After all, we wouldn't want to disappoint the Queen now, would we? Australia. <coughs> <coughs>